Since the onset of the COVID-19 pandemic, global health systems have been challenged like never before. As time and resources were directed towards responding to the virus, it was the dedication of healthcare workers that kept services running. Amongst the uncertainty, our hardworking Queensland clinicians have continued their pursuit of excellence, innovating and adapting the way they work to ensure consumers always receive the best care possible. To them, the pandemic was an opportunity to learn and grow and to ensure healthcare delivery continues to evolve to the ever-changing landscape. Because if we've learned anything from the last two years, it is that things will always change and our clinicians will always rise to the occasion. Few people could have predicted at the start of the pandemic that we'd have multiple vaccines in the market and the global community would be looking towards reopening. While not as high profile as the vaccines, these projects have worked through and learned from the disruption to explore opportunities for improvement and ensure our health services continue to evolve. Hello. Today I want to talk to you about predicting COVID-19 spread and vaccine outcomes using a particular type of computer model called, called an agent-based model. An agent-based model is like recreating a whole population of people in quite some detail inside a computer. We can create the social networks of people or agents inside the computer. And this will allow us to um, examine family transmission, preschool, school and vocational training transmission, friends and kin transmission and workplace transmission, which is part of the, the social network of each agent. If we were to plot the relationships between agents that is built inside the computer in this fashion, it would look something like this. This is a, um, a network diagram of just uh, a thousand individuals. But when we model cities using this model, we can model, for example, Sydney at over 5 million people. But all these complex interrelationships between individuals that we model using agent-based models remains the same. We can then additionally look at random interactions between agents in the system. So for example, we can model the random meeting of people on public transport or in a supermarket or attending uh, a hospital uh, visit or a doctor's clinic, you know, as part of essential services. Also medium-sized social gatherings, for example, large family gatherings or gatherings in, in restaurants, for example, and then large social gatherings like football matches. We then have a probability of transmission for each of these situations. We call them containers. And each of those has an associated probability that when people are in that gathering, that they will transmit a virus such as COVID-19. The schedules over time for agents in a model like this is incredibly detailed. So we have 
three periods in the day that are modeled, corresponding roughly to morning, afternoon, and evening. And as you can see on the slide here, for four agents, we've got examples of the activities that they perform at, at those three times of day. And that will determine who people meet with, either known agents to them, like their family members, or random encounters such as in a large group or at a media, in a medium group in a restaurant, for example. We then add in disease dynamics. So DESABNET, which is the model that, that we are talking about, can model any disease in any region or city for which we have demographic data. And what you see here is a flow chart of how um, people move through different stages of infection. So this is commonly known as an SEIRD model. And you see in the top left-hand corner, you have your susceptible uh, people in the population susceptible to the virus like, uh, like SARS-CoV-2. And then people are exposed to the virus, so they become infected, but they have an incubation period. Then in, in exposed to or E2, people are not yet symptomatic, but they can spread the virus. Then they develop symptoms. So this is the infected group. When people come to medical attention, they then become managed. So they either have to go into isolation or quarantine, or they are indeed hospitalized. And then when people recover from the virus, they go into a recovered um, group. And of course, some people uh, are lost um, due to mortality, so, so they die. What the model does is it takes into account detailed uh, variable values, which are derived from the literature, which tell us things like how many people are asymptomatic in the population or symptomatic, uh, then how long the periods of exposed one and two or infectivity last for, um, a delay from symptom onset to people seeking medical attention, and then also uh, information such as the average length of stay in, in a medical bed, average length of stay in an ICU bed, um, and then also for each age group, uh, we look at how many people are requiring uh, or what percentage of people require hospitalization, intensive care. The third element here that's really important to in the modeling is social restrictions. So what we were able to do is model for three cities, Melbourne, Sydney, and the Gold Coast. We were able to model the 2020 uh, COVID-19 outbreaks. And what we did was we, we obtained information on all the social restrictions that were in place or non-pharmacological interventions uh, with the dates, as you can see in this slide. And this allowed us to change the model and modify people's social networks depending on the restrictions that were in place. So you can see here, for example, um, people will always maintain their essential visits for week, uh, per week. So the number of um, visits to doctors, supermarkets for buying food, pharmacies, et cetera. But 
in depending on the restrictions large group activities such as football matches large sporting events or going to very large shopping centers uh, is curtailed as as part of restrictions it's the same with medium group leisure activities such as eating out in restaurants and everything so that is modified according to restrictions and these can be brought in on a certain date of course um, then how much time people are spending at home or working from home and also how many people are using public transport and to model this we actually use google mobility data and then finally the number of social contacts that people have with friends or kin in a week as well as whether schools are open or shut if you put all this information together it then allowed us to get a very accurate picture of the outbreak in cities such as Sydney. So this is modeling the original 2020 outbreak from March through to roughly May, June in Sydney in 2020. And you can see here that the, the bars, the vertical bars are the restrictions. So starting with one, which is no restrictions, and then moving through to mild and fairly severe restrictions uh, as on the dates that they were actually brought in. And you can see that the graph is split into the community acquired cases, as well as return travelers. Return travelers can be fed into the model because we have data on when those people returned um, and who was COVID positive. And you can see that the, the dotted line that runs throughout is the actual model that predicts um, these numbers. And you can see it follows the actual data very closely. The actual data is the, the um, vertical bars that you can see. This, the model has outputs, including allowing fairly standard epidemiological curves to be created as well as uh, predicting the transmission among the different uh, groups so family, friends and kin, workplaces, schools, pre-schools and other vocational areas, public transport during essential visits, and then um, medium and large groups. It also outputs um, hospital bed occupancy and ICU bed occupancy, as well as death rates. And you can see that the data is smeared out because for, for each simulation, we will do multiple runs to try and create a little bit of um, a, a rigorous and large data set. You can see here we modeled Melbourne and we had nine restriction phases that were modeled. So this is from about March through to August, September, 2020. And again, you can see from the continuous line that runs throughout that the outbreak was modeled very accurately. And what you can see below is the, the effective reproductive reproduction number, which is R effective. Um, and generally that means as a rule of thumb, each person is infecting X other people. So if that number rises, more than above once so and more than one, each person is infecting more than one other person. And that's when the virus will spread below one and the virus cannot really spread. And below is um, these, this is Google mobility data and actual data on social restrictions. 
What makes the DESABNET model really powerful is that it allows for a very fluid change between social restrictions. So introducing multiple social restrictions and then lifting them again. And this is especially clear in the Melbourne um, scenario where the yellow is where restrictions were introduced and then the blue areas are where restrictions were lifted again or eased. I just want to talk briefly about work that is now ongoing. And, and at the moment, uh, this work is focused on vaccination scenarios in the context of social restrictions and also then uh, predicting um, the utilization of hospital and ICU beds, for example, to allow for, for service planning. What you see here is a vaccination strategy, such as that used in Australia, where all the elderly and vulnerable were vaccinated first. Simulations run for 180 days and people are vaccinated. It is assumed that a certain percentage of the, of the population is vaccinated at the beginning of each scenario. And you see that number of, of people who are uh, immune on the x-axis. And then the y-axis is the number, for example, of median daily transmissions, maximum daily transmissions, cumulative transmissions. And you can see that as the percentage of people vaccinated in the population uh, becomes greater and greater, these numbers tend to fall. We can also show um, ICU bed occupancy and death rates, for example. And in the bottom, you can just see as an example, death rates in um, the sort of child and adolescent population, adult population, and then people over 65 on the right. And again, as vaccinations increase, um, these numbers tend to fall. This is the paper. Um, so we, we published all this work um, and DESABNET stands for a discrete event simulated social agent-based network um, model and we modeled three cities like I said Melbourne, Sydney and the Gold Coast to provide a validation for this model and we're now using it for ongoing work. One last point is that um, we made the code for this model freely available uh, to anyone who wants to use it so the, the code is written in a, a programming language called MATLAB, and it is available from GitHub at the address that you can see on this slide. So again, I'd briefly like to acknowledge the team, um, which is um, Nicholas Small, um, Marcus Randall, Dinesh Palipana, um, Brian Bowie, um, Dr. McCartney, Professor McCartney, Andre Watier, and Gulam Kandakar. Thank you very much for your attention. As always, thank you for listening to our podcast and taking the time to learn about the wonderful work of Queensland's frontline clinicians. To continue the conversation, head on over to Facebook and let us know of any pockets of excellence you think deserve to be showcased. 
This podcast is proudly brought to you by Clinical Excellence Queensland.